Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, January 17th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. For everyone coming here after that Martin Luther King Monday to all of our American listeners, happy MLK Day. We had some excellent games. We're actually recording this at the evening of that day. So just that uh, Lakers-Houston game going on here, but quite a few quite a few exciting matchups that end up happening on the day. Makes it a nice work day. Personally, for me, I get to jump in and basically watch it on the side from like 12 p.m. onward. So that was cool. Make the uh, make the otherwise dull day go a little bit faster. But, you know, what's never dull is when I get my boy Ramiz on here with me to break down what is going to be a pretty exciting slate. We've got four games here. Ramiz, how's your day been going? How was your Monday spent? With the well, basketball? unfortunately, I'm back to school. So... <laughs> So, but after school, I, I got to catch up some Raptors basketball. I, I, I'm not going to say I tuned into that Phoenix Suns game <laughs> because I'm not trying to watch that lineup. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, it's probably the uh, the biggest whooping of the, the of the entire day, 30 yeah. points, and then that's the 10th straight win now for Memphis. So they're definitely on a roll here. And if you guys want to get on a roll, see my segues that come in here, <laughs> definitely get yourself subscribed over to the DFS Today pass the dfs pass altogether. just get yourself on to our discord get yourself access to our live injury report just all together give yourself that edge to put yourself in a role if you follow myself you follow keith if you follow a number of other dfs analysts you'll often see us putting up the kind of lineups in there that have been pretty damn successful we've had a nice year so far and a lot of it just comes down to making those last second swaps making you know, a couple of adjustments to be able to deal with what can happen, especially given how the NBA injury life has been this entire year. It's just been <laughs> wild, and there's been lots of lots of value opportunities that have come up. And that's exactly where we're going to be going in today, because with the four-game slate, that's where you're really looking at, that contrarian side of things, to be able to find that value, that 6-7x potential opportunity. That's really what's going to make a difference in a GPP where you don't have as many opportunities to be able to say mess up as far as your lineup's concerned. So got to look right into it. But let's jump right into the first one here. we got Toronto going to Milwaukee on the second half of a back-to-back for them, uh, coming off, as Ramiz mentioned, that New York Knicks game where they pulled it out in overtime. So... You know, had to play a couple of extra minutes to be able to do it. How is that going to affect their legs? How is it going to affect their performance coming into this game? Uh, as far as game totals are concerned, for this game, we actually don't have them yet because on the Milwaukee side of things, Giannis, who has been ruled uh, who had been ruled out for today's game, is currently listed as questionable coming into the next one. Same with whether Chris Middleton is going to finally be able to make it on the floor. He was Initially questionable for the previous game, was eventually listed out, and then now they're saying that you know, potentially uh, could be coming back, but we also just don't know when that's happening. So I'm going to err on the side of he's not coming here, but I'm going to go ahead and start with you, Ramiz. Tell me, you know, Toronto-Milwaukee, always a matchup, first of all, that's exciting to watch when things are going well, but from a DFS perspective, who are you looking at today? I'm looking at Fred Van Vliet at 7,800. I know this is a probably... I mean, all of them are kind of bunched up together, but I think everyone knows with the Bucks defense, right, it's more so a paint-oriented defense. So I don't know how a Siakam or a Scotty might play into that offense, but I do know they give up a lot of threes. I think Fred, I mean, he's always going to be willing to shoot that ball. I mean, the last game he played against Milwaukee, I think he was like 4 for 14 from 3. So shooting threes is definitely not something that Fred's going to shy away. 
And I think also Fredis is capable of just getting you other like aspects of the game, right? He'll get you a few assists, he'll get you a few rebounds, and get you some steals. And I think he has a really great chance of having another great game. Another guy I have is uh one of the on the cheaper side of things is uh Precious Achua. And that's just based on the fact that he's coming back from injury. He's finally getting a lot more minutes. I think he's been getting around 28 minutes these past few games. And uh, even against his Knicks team, didn't have a solid stat line, eight points, eight rebound. But he still got you 20 DK fantasy points. And at 3,300 in a four-game slate where you might need to go for one of these low-end guys, I think Precious Achua is somebody to look out for. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. And uh, while Precious was definitely on my radar as well, I was looking more towards the Chris Boucher side of things. I just feel like given the fact that uh, not only do Milwaukee, as you said, have a more paint-oriented offense, but they have their own little unicorn in Brooke Lopez that has consistently been one of those really, really odd matchups for us. Brooke Lopez, who I'm going to mention on the other side, is one of the Milwaukee guys that I am targeting as far as this, uh, this entire slate is concerned. But Boucher has been that one guy that they've tried to match up with him, especially outside on the perimeter. As we know, Brooke Lopez loves to shoot that three, but more so he just has such a high arc on his release that really outside of Boucher, there's not really too many guys that we have that can even get up there to properly contest it. So we saw Boucher get 22 minutes in the previous game as a result of that. I expect that he's probably going to get somewhere in the mid-20s again. And at 3,500, we know that Boucher is one of those kind of microwave scorers. If he can get a couple of shots going in early, he can get into that rhythm so you'll know pretty early whether it's a boucher night or not and i think it's uh it's one of those games that uh, i do like from a dart throw perspective that uh, boucher will be a little bit more because i'm right there with you on the fred van vliet side though i do think we are seeing finally that more confident side of scotty barnes coming out in the last three games over here even though he's not necessarily going to be shooting the three he is more of a attack the rim he's got double digit free throw attempts in the last two games that he's played but I, I don't see why he can't continue that. We're going to see a lot more, especially if Giannis is out, we're going to see a lot more lineups with both Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez playing together. And, you know, as much as Bobby Portis has been a pretty solid offensive option for them, he is that one guy that you can attack on the defensive end. He's not quick laterally. He is a guy that you can kind of put into that post and really work with him. So I'm expecting Scotty to be able to take advantage of that. 7700 not a bad price tag for him whatsoever. He's been on an absolute tear in that sense and three straight games of 45 or more DK points hitting up to 53 in that so there's a lot to like here until he lets me down that uh, I'll probably find myself taking him but going on to the Milwaukee side just as I said earlier Brooke Lopez is probably going to be one of the uh, favorite picks for me today's center slate outside of Jokic, who we're going to speak about a little bit later, and in that kind of Portland-Denver game in general, there's not too many centers that I'm super, super excited uh, to be able to take, given how things are kind of uh, panning out in terms of my different rosters. There's a lot of guards I like tonight in comparison, so I'm okay to save a little bit of money on a guy who is, first of all, a Raptor, just known guy who just has great matchups with them. First game, played 38 minutes, dropped 39 DK points, and this is with him, a guy who is not a renowned rebounder, pulling down 19 in that game against the Raptors, right? Just comes down to one of those things where the size mismatch just does not work well for what Toronto has at the moment as far as their front court's concerned. And Brooke Lopez has taken advantage with Giannis potentially out. That's going to be one more kind of arrow in his in his chest to be able to 
be more of an offensive rebounder, be more of a guy who'll crash the glass rather than just be sitting out there in the perimeter. So lots to like from his floor perspective. And I think his upside gives him that potential to get you anywhere between 35 to 40 DK points on a decent night. So I like him for this matchup and I like taking him over someone like a Bobby Portis and even over someone like a Drew Holiday because we have done pretty well against guards. And I feel like people will look at that Indiana matchup that just happened where he dropped 63 in that one and has looked a lot better in that one than he did in the uh, Miami game right prior. But I just I just don't necessarily like taking that kind of a point guard against the Raptors. I'd rather take someone in the front court, and Brooke Lopez is going to be my guy there. Yeah, I just wanted to add on. Um, I think uh, even with the addition of Giannis, I think Brooke Lopez is, is, is always been in trouble for the Raptors. I mean, like you said, that last game he had 19 rebounds, and that was with Giannis playing. So I think even without Giannis playing, I think Brooke Lopez is a really good option at 5,800. Yeah, perfect. I like it. Well, let's uh, hopefully see the Raptors do something here because we really do need to get a couple of wins going. And hopefully without, is the key word. Yeah, exactly. Crossing those fingers as a fan over here, but let's see how that goes. But moving on to the second game of the night, which is the Brooklyn Nets going into San Antonio on a game we do have a total for, and which is uh, currently the highest of the ones that are there, really the two. Uh, 235 game total here. At the moment, the Brooklyn Nets favored to win by six over here. And, uh, you know, I'll I'll start off here on the Brooklyn side. Kevin Durant, we know, continues to be out and is expected to be out for about a month over here. So that's obviously spread around a lot of usage over here. As far as the San Antonio side goes, it's very much the same scenario in that Devin Vassell being out has spread around a bit of that usage to some of these other, uh, some of these other guards as well as some of these other forwards. And it's allowed for pretty decent amount of value to come through. So really in this game, on both sides, there's some pretty decent value picks that I like here, especially given that it is expected to be a fast-paced matchup. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm not taking Kyrie in this matchup here. Uh, I don't necessarily like it for the price tag, nor do I like it for the fact that uh, Kyrie has just not really been this season that kind of offensive force to make you feel confident that he can draw 50 on any given night. He kind of ends up in that like, 40 41 range which always worries me a little bit because yes he can have the odd game where he can you know go and drop you kind of mid 50s it's just not been where he's at and for me a ben simmons at 5900 is a lot more of a kind of tasty proposition for me i know people love to rag on ben simmons all of that is great but for a power forward who's going to be handling the ball at 5900 with center eligibility as well and in that previous game that he had against the Spurs only needed 24 minutes to drop 31 DK points in that one as well. So it really just comes down to how even somewhat close this game can stay. But in general, I expect Ben Simmons to really be able to break down this San Antonio Spurs defense on the fast break, especially it's going to be running that ball up the court up against guys who are going to be trying to keep it up to him. And it's just a recipe for a very good night as far as Ben Simmons is concerned. So he's going to be my primary guy as far as Brooklyn's concerned there, though I wouldn't uh, fault you for also looking at some of these uh, cheaper guard options there because they're all just in a very, very good matchup. We could see Seth Curry have a good night over here. Uh, For me, the biggest thing is his minutes total. Got up to 27 minutes in the last game, 15 shot attempts, which is excellent. Eight of those being three. So his only worry is what are his ancillary stats going to look like because they haven't been anywhere near what we have seen in previous years from Seth Curry in the past. You know, we can get those you know, four dimes or so to go around with four or five rebounds. That stuff helps. He's been sitting around two consistently in both of those categories, which isn't great. But at 4,300, you could definitely do worse. On the San Antonio side, though, 
in that same price range, Josh Richardson's been uh, the guy that I've been finding myself taking pretty consistently over the last little while alongside uh, Jeremy Sohan. I'll probably be leaning a little bit more towards Richardson, just given uh, the fact that he has that shooting guard eligibility that helps me build a couple more lineups. But he has been getting pretty consistently in that mid to high 20s as far as minutes are concerned. Got up to all the way to 30 in the last game, 13 shot attempts, and has been kind of hovering around that mid to like high 20s as far as his um, DK points have been over the since the year turned to 2023. So I like him for 4,500. That's just a very safe floor. Not necessarily the most sky high upside, but just given how some of the other guys we'll be talking about taking up a good amount of my money. I might see myself taking a little bit more of Josh Richardson to basically balance it out. Um, yeah, you kind of hit the money on the spot because I mean that's those are the kind of guys I was looking at as well. I didn't go for the Ben Simmons route because I I want I'm going to spend my money somewhere else down the line. But uh, Seth Curry and Josh Richardson are two guys who I think are probably that guys you want to consider. Seth Curry, I think you you spoke right on the money where you said like he's been inconsistent. He hasn't been that guy he was honestly that for a couple of years. Like back, if you really think about it, I mean, even dating back to Dallas, he's been always been a guy to be able to catch fire and just go off. But I think with this nest rotation, it's been a lot more tougher for him to get those consistent minutes. And then, but I think in this scenario with Kevin Durant out, I think there is a lot more opportunity for him to flourish. And uh, I think uh, he had last game, like you said, he had 28 minutes, I believe, and he was able to get through around 20 plus DK fantasy points. And I think as long as he gets those minutes, and especially in a game that might not be might be a closer game than we think because this Brooklyn's team hasn't been on par with how they were with Kevin Durant, which is obviously because he's a superstar. So I think they're gonna need scoring from some players. And I think Seth Curry is one of those guys who I would put on my list. And for Josh Richardson, he's continuously been able to rack up twenty plus DK fantasy points and, and he's roughly been around this area of forty five hundred. And in this matchup where I think they probably might use him a lot more, I think uh his veteran played because I think they're, this game is going to be a close one. That's what I'm predicting. And I think uh, Josh Richardson is going to have a lot more time to be able to just get back on some points, some rebounds, just some different uh, you know, assists and steals and blocks, etc. Hmm. Yeah, just a lot to uh, round out his stat line there. Um, I, I do like it. He's probably going to end up in a number of my lineups over there. But let's move right on to the Portland and Denver game, which is my personal favorite game of the night. Yes, you know, all the Raptor fans are probably eyeing me with daggers <laughs> right now. But the Portland-Denver matchup has just been consistently one of the most fun ones, especially from a Western Conference standpoint. It's probably the matchup that I enjoy watching the most. There's just always stories that come with it. Uh, and just in general, the actual games themselves have consistently lived up to the hype in terms of the amount of scoring we get, how close they are, and there's always someone who's just absolutely gone off. So, Ramiz, I'm going to let you talk to me about this first. Who is going to be going off in this game? Who are you targeting, and where is it that you're kind of finding your lineups going here? So, I'm I'm targeting for the number one in MVP running right now, and that's Jokic at 12,000. And that that's a lot, but, I mean, I'm going to say this again. It's a four-game slate, so you, you're going to have to spend your money somewhere, and I think Jokic is... It's his stats is, are normal at this point, but it's it's still insane whenever you look at it. I think I believe he's averaging like 60, 60 DK fantasy points in his last four games, and I don't think he's gonna stop against this Portland team. Obviously, they have Yusuf Nurkic, but that I don't think there's any center who has been able to really limit Nikola Jokic, and I think it's gonna be the same with Nurkic. And I think with the questionability of Jamal Murray, I think there might be even bigger chance for Nikola Jokic to take on a lot more playmaking duties and a lot more scoring, and uh. 
I think this is a really great opportunity for him to just, you know, go off like he usually does. And then on the Trailblazers side, I kind of went a bit more uh, budget-wise. Obviously, I I think I don't already know which way you're headed, but I I like uh, Inferni Simmons. I think he has some upside. He has been he's been struggling over this past few weeks. I want to say, but I think a uh, CC hundred. I think he has some good upside in this type of matchup, especially if they are down Jamal Murray. I think uh, with main attention going towards Damian, I think Inferni Simmons might take advantage of the situation and be able to. Take Jokic against the pick and roll, or whether it's DeAndre Jordan, whether it's Ignaj, I think he's going to be able to attack that pick and roll really well, because that's been something that's always been able to work with is, is him and Nurkic's pick and roll. And then on the cheaper side of things, Nazir Little coming back from injury, obviously he might not get a lot of minutes, but he's only listed at 3,000. And last game, he was able to get you 20 DK fantasy points. And I think uh, in this type of game, they might go a bit over the limit just because they have no depth. So I think uh, they're going to rely on him a lot more, especially if you're looking at him to play against uh, a Michael Porter Jr. or against Aaron Gordon, who Josh Hart might struggle against because he's a bit smarter compared to the guys. So I think the zero level has a great chance to get some good amount of DK fantasy points. I just listed at 3,000. Yeah, I mean, look, we've obviously seen that the opportunity is there for some of those guys to be able to come through. But, man, I just can't look past game time in this matchup here. <laughs> I mean, the advantage that we've had as well is that in just, you know, a little over four months of the NBA season – We've already had this matchup thrice. This is going to be the last time that they play uh, play against each other in the regular season. And in those matchups, Dame has dropped 31, 40, 34, as far as pure points are concerned, shooting either 62%, 55%, or even 45% in a game where he happens to go ahead and uh, hit five threes in that one too. It's just been a great matchup even throughout his entire career but in general this Denver defense has always struggled to be able to contain Damian Lillard and for him who himself is looking really super aggressive in the last couple of games over here and he is taking shots at you know mid to high 20s as far as field goal attempts are concerned so there's just so much to like as far as Dame is going and on top of all of that he now has a grand total of 47 free throw attempts in his last three games. Three games, 47 free throw attempts, right? <laughs> so it's just been an absolute, you know, crazy, crazy run for him uh, to be able to continue to uh, rack it up. And the fact that his price tag has stayed relatively stable, despite the fact that he's averaging well over 50 DK points over his last five games, just gives me, you know, a lot to like in terms of how the uh, entire matchup is going to work. And as you said, you're not going to have Jamal Murray on the other side here. Uh, I mean, he might. He's listed as a probable for the first game there, right? But we've seen how back-to-backs kind of do this thing, and I expect that he may sit out one of those regardless. But, yeah, it's just a, a great opportunity for this to be a high-scoring matchup where Dame in the opponent's building, a building where he's pulled off some pretty crazy performances already in his career, he's going to have another opportunity to do that. And I think much of that also goes to uh, a more value pick in Josh Hart for me, who I just, there's just something about this kind of matchup that has also worked out pretty well for Josh Hart consistently in this, uh, averaging nearly 30 DK points in the three games. And that's with him not actually hitting a single three so far in the three matchups that he's played, which is you know a lot unlike him. He's become a pretty reliable guy, especially in the corner for them. And he shoots a lot better 
away from home than he does at home, which is you know, usually you don't see that. But this is a guy who's averaging 53% from the field away from home, about 2% better from the three-point line away from home as well. And it's just continues to be one of the best rebounding guards in the league, if not the best at this point. So a uh, small forward eligibility for me to uh, be able to go ahead and throw him in. I like that. And, you know, as much as I'm not, I'm not going to be fading Jokic. I'm obviously going to have Jokic in at least a lineup or two, depending on that. But I see myself actually going a little bit more towards that Michael Porter Jr., Bruce Brown side of things in terms of getting a little bit more exposure onto this matchup. One, I just think the price tag at some point is going to have to normalize for Michael Porter, especially in matches where Jamal Murray is not around. We actually see his usage go up by about 3 to 4% on that, and I expect that he's going to get somewhere in the uh, mid-teens as far as shots are concerned. So really just got to keep an eye out on that kind of live injury report, see how things are going, because he's shot pretty well in the two games that he's played against Portland so far. It's just that he hasn't really played those minutes as of yet and some of that is because he's obviously you know still getting himself back into the full groove from the injuries that he's had but also just it's just been kind of either the matchup doesn't allow it or they are going a different way in which there's more Bruce Brown happening so it's just allowed his price tag to be at a point where I feel pretty safe with his floor but I think he does have the upside to have a, a really big game over here and again that small forward guy who has good usage that's always kind of like you know, catnip for me. I like that. I like having small forwards that I can spend up on uh, or save money on, sorry, that actually will have, uh, you know, usage somewhere in the high teens to low 20s. So it's it's, a, it's just the matchup that I like and it's just the combination of things that I like. I love how we all made different choices. So that's going to be good for next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we can always come back and talk about how things are actually working out because the only matchup that's left now in the night is the Clippers and the 76ers. The 76ers going in to L.A. And this one, we don't have a game total for at the moment, but we do have the Sixers only favored to win this by one point at the moment. Now, again, I I don't look super heavy ever into uh, the point spread type of things, but it does give you the idea that this is going to be a pretty close matchup. And I expect that to be the case, though it may be a bit more of a cagey matchup rather than something that's, you know, super high scoring. But where it has been super high scoring has been in the case of Joel Embiid, who is sitting at 11,300 in this matchup. And in the only game he played in the season against them otherwise, shot 30 times in that game to be able to get himself 63 DK points. So between, you know, that between that Jokic and Embiid kind of uh, battle dichotomy that I have in my mind of who I'm going to go with. Depending on how things work out, I think that 700 that I'm saving there might actually have me leaning towards Joel Embiid, just given how things are uh, are working out, and the fact that I actually like Nurkic in a matchup against Jokic in the sense that they have played against each other for so long. It's been a consistent kind of almost rivalry between them, and I feel like Nurkic always turns it on a little bit more when he's facing up against Jokic for you know almost like a uh, sticking it to Denver for uh, not also sticking with them together. Obviously, the right decision. Jokic is much better without it. But still, a guy like Nurkic is going to feel that uh, he should be uh, up in that uh, conversation as well. So that's there. On the other hand, all the Clippers have to throw at Embiid is Zubats. So, yeah, not looking yeah. good for him. <laughs> not, not looking great for him. Paul George still uh, listed questionable for this one. We're going to have to see. You know, he's had five games now that he's uh, sat out with his uh, with his hamstring. But 
we're hoping that he can get himself back on the floor, which if that is the case, that's great from a you know matchup being close standpoint, but it takes away a little of that upside that I'm looking at uh, from the Clippers side, because really Terrence Mann with games uh, with Paul George sitting out showed his upside in that last game against Houston. I don't necessarily love the 5,700 price tags. I think that's been a pretty a significant jump from that kind of mid 4,000s that he was sitting at. But I do expect that he is going to continue to be kind of that um, leader from a uh, you know shot-taking perspective if Paul George is uh, sitting out to just kind of back up Kawhi. So that's that's kind of where I'm going at. Embiid is all is going to be who I go through. Uh, I I mean, Harden is always Harden, and I'm like, told how much I love Harden for his price tag all the time. I just think that I'm going to end up taking Dame. That's just pretty much it. 9,500, I'm going to be taking Dame a lot more than I'm going to be taking Harden. I'll have a little bit of exposure just to hedge it out, but... In, in this slate, Dame is winning clearly for me. What do you think? Well, let's agree to disagree. Because you went with Dame and Embiid, I went with Harden and Jokic. Because Harden, uh-huh. you spoke about Embiid's numbers last against Jok- uh, against the Clippers last time. I'm going to speak about Harden. Because Harden had 21 assists, 11 rebounds. And he only shot 6 for 17. was able to get still 72 DK fantasy points. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I expect him to get that much. Probably not. But even then, like one thing that I've noticed that even with the... Uh, Embiid's absent, Harden was going insane. And then even with Embiid back, Harden has still been able to keep up the same contribution. I mean, in his last numbers in these past six games, he's been averaging around 13 assists, 22 points, and eight rebounds, averaging around 57 DK fantasy points. And he's only at 10,000. So I obviously you went with the Dame pickup, but I'm going with the Harden. And I think uh, the thing about the Sixers team, I think, I mean, everybody, everybody knows is that honestly, when it comes down to the fantasy side of things, you always, it's always kind of leaning towards Embiid or Harden. And uh, honestly, I don't think you can go wrong with either pick, especially because of Embiid's numbers the last game, which I, I was heavily considering, but I went with Harden because I think with Harden's uh, shot, because Harden's ability to not have a good game field goal percentage-wise, but still being able to rack up above like 50 DK fantasy points is a really great factor. Mm-hmm. And then in the Clipper side of thing, I you went with Terrence Mann, and I, but I'm going with Reggie Jackson at 3,700. And that's mainly from the factor that you mentioned as well, because Terrence Mann is at 5,700. I don't know if I like that price tag for him. I kind of went with a, a cheaper route, mm-hmm. and I went with Reggie Jackson because I think uh, Luke Kennard is also out. So I think there's a, some extra minutes. So I think Reggie Jackson has a huge opportunity to get a few minutes because I don't think Terrence Mann is going to average 31 points again. I mean, that'd be insane if he does, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Reggie Jackson at 3,700. Yeah, I mean, look, that's fair. And I know in in the past, uh, when I used to do these uh, with Mike, we used to have these friendly wagers on what these uh, two versus two is going to be. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to, like, bring you up on this. So if we're talking about Embiid and Dame on one side and Harden and Jokic on the other side, and we're going to come back to this on our next Monday pod and and see who actually ends up winning. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something out of this. Maybe I'll get a dinner or something out of you for it. But let's see how it ends up going. But uh, that's really going to be where our uh, major matchups going to really look as far as this specific uh, you know, duos are concerned. That brings us to the end of the slate here, though, the four games. And before we go off, as always, the Thrive Fantasy side of things is where we wrap things up. And really, as far as Thrive Fantasy is concerned, I'm feeling very much aligned. I like when I can have scenarios in which I think that the guys I'm going to be doing well with in DFS is also the guys that I'm looking at from a prop side as well. And really, Damian Lillard, again, 40 and a half total for his points and assists combined over here. I like that opportunity. Again, we go back to what Dame has already been doing this season against the uh, Denver Nuggets over here. 
And let's look at that. 31 and 8 in the one game, 40 and 12 in the other game, 34 and 8 in the other one there. So in two out of the three matchups, he's beat out that 40 and a half. And I expect that this is actually going to be one of the faster paced ones of those coming through, especially if Jamal Murray's out, you're going to get a little bit more of Dame really attacking uh, what could be a much weaker backcourt as far as uh, Denver's concerned, because even Bones Highland is listed as questionable here. So we're going to have to see how things work out. 40 and a half, though, for 115 points for him to be above that. I like that quite a bit. And then the second one, which isn't as sexy per se, but I do think that uh, Josh Hart at nine and a half total for his rebounds and assists combined is 70 points that I can pretty much like lock in. It's like, let me get a, a starting baseline here to be able to work out the rest of my lineup. And that's going to be with that uh, Josh Hart being able to continue his great rebounding ways against, uh, against pretty much any team, but in general, uh, nine and a half for him combined with his assists. I like that there. All right. So I guess on my side, I got, Obviously, I got Jokic. I got. I think Jokic is gonna get more than 47 half total points, rebounds, assists. And I think with Jamal Murray's absence, I think a lot more playmaking duties will come to Jokic's hands. And I think that he averages around like 40 DK. I mean, 40 uh, points, rebounds, assists in total. So I think 47.5 is shouldn't be too hard of a goal for him to reach. Another one I have is uh, I'm going for the money here. I'm going for Kawhi to get over 27 and a half total points. Mm-hmm. I think, especially with Paul George's absence, I think Kawhi is a a huge scoring load, especially considering there's no John Wall, no no Luke Kennard. And then obviously, depending on the which one of the rotation players struggle, whether it's Powell or Marcus Moore. So I think Kawhi is going to take a, a lot more of the scoring load as usual and then be able to score over 27 and a half. Another one I got just in case if this happens is if Giannis decides to play, I think I'm going on the under first time on Giannis's points. Okay. And I think the Raptors are going to do a lot of the triple teaming, the double teaming, the wall defense on Giannis where another player might benefit from that situation, but not Giannis. Fair enough. No, I, I like that. We've usually done pretty well against Giannis from a pure point-scoring perspective. He just finds other ways <laughs> to tear us apart. So. 20 rebounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll still kill us. But we'll have to see whether we can kill it on the uh, on the lineups here. And as always, you know, find me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil. Talk to us about what your lineups are looking like over here. Where are you standing on this? Embiid and Dame versus Harden and Jokic debate over here as far as who's going to be your pillars as far as your lineups are concerned. But of course, it's a four-game slate. Definitely hedge your bets, see what you can do. And Ramiz, as always, where can the people find you on Twitter to DM you about how bad your decision was? <laughs> they can find me at Twitter at too nice. That'll be spelled T-O-0 underscore nice underscore. But before we end this, I just DM Jokic that he better go off. My my <laughs> life is on the line. And he responded with, don't worry about it. I got you. <laughs> yeah, you might have uh, might have hit up one of his uh, one of his fake accounts over there because that's, yeah. I mean, I love Jokic, but uh, he's going to have to uh, sell one out here for me. It's a, it's a dinner on the line. I'm going to get steak out of Ramiz for this. I'm telling you. But as always, keep following us. Keep getting yourself onto sportsethos.com and get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass. As always, get yourself onto the Discord. Connect with the Ask the Pros. Talk to us all the way up until lineup lock and see exactly what changes may be the one to put you right over that edge. But until then, I hope everyone had a wonderful Martin Luther King Day for all those in America. For us in Canada, we just got to enjoy some early basketball. But regardless... Have yourselves a good night and let's go kill some of these GPP tournaments.